following episode is brought to you by the American Urological Association. Today's episode is a special preview from the 2022 Update Series. The Update Series, the AUA's most popular self-study CME product, is renowned for delivering high-quality lessons for practicing urologists, fellows, and residents. Available in three convenient formats, online, print, and audio, the Update Series delivers you 40 concise practical lessons on timely topics, including state-of-the-art surgical techniques. Subscribe to the Update Series today to receive access to the entire audiobook. AUA Update Series, Volume 41, Lesson 7, Management of Benign Prosthetic Hyperplasia in Men Over 80 Years. Authors Dr. Shante Shepard, Dr. Michelle Apache, and Dr. Lori Lerner. Introduction. Management of BPH in men aged 80 and over requires an individualized approach. Existing comorbidities, operative risk, polypharmacy, living environment, resources, and mental acuity all play important roles in determining the best treatment path. As improvements in healthcare have increased longevity and health, they have also increased the complexity of not only treatment options, but also management choices. On the one hand, a healthy elderly man may be able to tolerate all options available to those of a younger age, while an unwell elderly man with dementia may be conscripted to something completely different. Understanding the living environment is important with older patients. Ability to help a patient toilet is a major consideration with all options. Are there resources in place to assist the patient with a bathroom, commode, or urinal? Is the patient safe to toilet himself, particularly at night, not only with ambulation, but with clothing? What about fall risk? Are the caregivers or family members themselves elderly or restricted in terms of what they can physically do? Depending on where the patient is living and their tolerance of tubes, catheters, or absorbent pads versus medications or surgery are all options. Counseling and a clear understanding of goals is essential. Urologists must take the time to understand all the factors at play as they work toward the ultimate purpose, emptying the bladder. With older men, testing to understand the true etiology of the perceived BPH issues wherever complexity exists is important. Avoiding diary should be attempted and can help determine issues like behavioral factors in undiagnosed or untreated sleep apnea, a common problem in elderly men. Urodynamics, when it can be performed, can help differentiate an overactive bladder due to primary detrusor overactivity versus voiding symptoms secondary to bladder outlet obstruction with or without detrusor overactivity. A cystoscopy can rule out bladder stones and bladder cancer give insight into bladder-related changes seen with obstruction, and characterize the prostate and outlet. Even in uncooperative patients, some testing can be performed. Testing not only helps with the diagnosis, treatment options, and preventing unnecessary risks with medications and or surgery, but can also help a patient and family build trust and understanding. This update will review options in the context of age-related changes and hopefully stimulate urologists to consider approaches they may not have otherwise been aware of or consider, while reinforcing many aspects already known. Medical Management Medical management is the typical first-line therapy for symptomatic BPH. While medications are quite successful in treating symptoms, patients of advanced age are more likely to suffer from multiple medical comorbidities, which often results in polypharmacy. Many medications have not only their individual associated adverse effects, but also drug-to-drug interactions, which can have deleterious effects in the elderly, particularly in regard to cognition. 
While data regarding the use of medications for lower urinary tract symptoms, specifically in elderly men, is limited, partly due to lack of their involvement in clinic trials, some do exist. Elke et al. performed an extensive review and developed a classification system of safety and efficacy of medications used to treat BPH in men older than 65, termed fit for the aged, FORTA. At the time of publication, none met FORTA-A criteria, three met FORTA-B criteria, the vast majority met FORTA-C, and five drugs fell into FORTA-D category. Unfortunately, this type of review has not been performed on the very elderly, 80 years of age or older. Alpha blockers. Alpha blockers have been the mainstay of BPH LUTs therapy for decades and are routinely prescribed by primary care providers long before a patient ever visits a urologist. The 2010 AUA guidelines recommend alfuzosin, doxazosin, tamsulosin, terazosin, and psilidosin. Second-generation alpha blockers, such as terazosin and doxazosin, require titration and have more side effects than third-generation selective alpha blockers, such as tamsulosin, alfuzosin, and psilidosin. Of these, tamsulosin is the most commonly prescribed. When considering FORTA classifications, only psilidosin and tamsulosin were deemed acceptable. All other alpha blockers were not recommended in the elderly due to risks. Therefore, should a patient be unable to tolerate psilidosin or tamsulosin, continued trials with other alpha blockers is not advised, and progression to non-medical therapies may be in the patient's best interest. The most concerning side effect is orthostatic hypotension. Second-generation non-selective alpha blockers are particularly known for this potential. Interestingly, when alpha blockers were used solely as treatment for hypertension and not BPH, their use was found to be associated with an increased risk for hip fractures, presumed secondary to hypotension and falls. A strategy often used to circumvent this side effect is to advise taking the medication at bedtime. Of all third-generation alpha blockers, psilidosin has the greatest selectivity of the alpha-1A receptor, which is most specifically concentrated in the bladder neck and prostate, and not blood vessels. Thus, psilidosin is the least likely to cause orthostatic hypotension and dizziness. As such, if hypotension occurs with tamsulosin, a change to psilidosin is recommended. Given the effects on blood pressure, dual treatment of both hypertension and BPH with one medication is attractive, particularly in patients already on many medications. This practice is not recommended, as congestive heart failure exacerbations due to uncontrolled hypertension have been reported in this population, as well as mild, dose-dependent, corrected QT interval prolongation. Another side effect that absolutely must be considered in older patients is intraoperative floppy iris syndrome. Intraoperative floppy iris syndrome can be encountered during cataract surgery in men taking alpha blockers, particularly tamsulosin. Given that more than 50% of men aged 80 and older have cataracts, any surgical risk from alpha blocker use must be mitigated prior to surgery. While in theory any alpha blocker increases the risk, tamsulosin is the most studied and appears to be the most significant, whether being actively taken or previously. All patients should be counseled to discuss their use of alpha blocker therapy with their ophthalmologist so that intraoperative adjustments can be made. If a provider is initiating alpha blocker therapy with elderly patients for the first time, they should investigate if cataract surgery is planned in the future. If so, consideration of either alternate therapies, such as office-based procedures, or delaying the initiation of alpha blocker therapy until cataract surgery is done is not unreasonable. Finally, in elderly patients, efficacy for voiding is the primary goal, and prevention of sexual side effects should be secondary. 
That said, should a healthy older man express concern over retrograde ejaculation, alfuzosin may be offered as it has the least alpha-1A receptor selectivity and, compared to tamsulosin, is less likely to cause sexual side effects. 5-alpha reductase inhibitors, 5-ARIs. 5-ARIs, finasteride and dutasteride, inhibit prostate growth and reduce prostate volume. The natural remedy, saw palmetto, has a similar method of action, although efficacy has been inconsistent. Long-term data from the Medical Therapy of Prostatic Symptoms study revealed that in men with a prostate size greater than 30 milliliters, finasteride was able to reduce prostate volume and thereby reduce the rate of BPH progression. What is most attractive about the use of 5-ARIs is the lack of adverse effects that can negatively impact the elderly, such as cognitive dysfunction, falls, or cardiovascular alterations. This does not mean that 5-ARIs have no side effects. Gynecomastia and changes in sexual function may not be as bothersome to many older men, particularly more debilitated ones as compared to younger populations. As such, this is a very good option, particularly for those who cannot tolerate side effects of other drugs. Finally, 5-ARI therapy takes 3 to 4 months to elicit a change in symptoms and up to 24 months to reach its maximal reduction of prostate volume. For those men whose prostate size warrants this therapy and can afford the duration of time needed to attain measurable results, a 5-ARI is an excellent therapeutic choice. For more symptomatic men, it is reasonable to start or continue dual therapy with an alpha blocker for the first 6 months of 5-ARI therapy, then withdraw the second drug later. These medications have 4-B classification, supporting their use in this patient population. Phosphodiesterase 5 inhibitors, PDE5s. Although classically used for the treatment of erectile dysfunction, PDE5s have shown efficacy in the treatment of LUTs. Unlike other drugs in this class, only Tadalafil is FDA-approved for daily use in the treatment of BPH. Several studies have investigated improvements specific to voiding including positive outcomes in a large population that included patients over age 80, whereas another acknowledged subjective improvements, but changes in neurodynamics were not demonstrated. PDE5s are useful in that they treat both LUTs and ED. Given extensive research within the context of use for ED, drug interactions, particularly with nitrates, and side effects are well known, including within the geriatric population. In men in whom other classes of medications are not tolerated or desired, Daily Tadalafil represents an option. Tadalafil received a Fortis C classification by the Elki Group. Anticholinergics. Muscarinic receptors are present in several organs, including the bladder. There are five subtypes of muscarinic receptors, named M1 through M5, and inhibition of these can reduce nerve impulses responsible for involuntary muscle movements in the bladder. Bladder overactivity is not an uncommon effect of bladder outlet obstruction and as such, there is utility of these drugs in reducing bothersome symptoms. That said, anticholinergic side effects can include a large variety of symptoms and should be reviewed. Like alpha blockers, several generations of anti-muscarinic medications have been marketed, gradually becoming more selective. The first to be available and extensively used since the 1970s, oxybutynin, is a non-selective muscarinic receptor antagonist. The immediate release version's side effect profile particularly with cognition, is significant and remains one of the major reasons to avoid its use in older patients. As such, it is no longer recommended in the elderly and has a Forta-D classification. The extended release formulation and patch can be prescribed, but should be used with caution. Driven by attempts to reduce side effects, selective anticholinergics working at the M2 and M3 receptors have been developed. 
Despite their more selective mechanism of action, only one of eight anticholinergics, fesoteridine, is preferred in the elderly. Fesoteridine has proven efficacy for the treatment of urgency and urge incontinence with a low incidence of cognitive side effects and is among the best studied in the elderly. Despite that trospium does not cross the blood-brain barrier and has minimal cognitive side effects, Forda recommends use with caution, as well as darafenacin, solafenacin, and talteridine. Propivirine should not be used due to its high rate of anticholinergic and cardiovascular adverse effects, though there is a paucity of data in the elderly population. Beta-3 Agonists A new class of medication with a good safety profile in the elderly, beta-3 adrenoreceptor agonists act by binding to sympathetic adrenergic receptors to cause detrusor relaxation during the storage phase. Mirabegron was the first drug of this class granted FDA approval for bladder overactivity. It has been used as both monotherapy and in combination with other drugs for the management of BPH. Several randomized control trials have found that the addition of mirabegron to tamsulosin results in significantly improved symptoms with a low rate of adverse effects. Wag et al. performed an analysis using the data from the three 12-week Phase three clinical trials, as well as from a one-year safety trial, to evaluate the safety and efficacy of mirabegron in men with OAB over 75 years. Overall, the medication was well-tolerated, with hypertension and UTI being the most common adverse effects occurring at a higher incidence at the higher dose of mirabegron. Unlike anticholinergic medications, cognition was not affected. Combination therapy, alpha blocker, and 5-ARI. Several long-term studies have evaluated the efficacy of 5-ARI and alpha blocker combination therapy, including medical therapy of prostatic symptoms, combination of avodart and tamsulosin trial, and comparative efficacy of dutasteride plus tamsulosin trial. These trials revealed combination therapy was effective in reducing symptom progression and better than monotherapy and or watchful waiting with lifestyle changes. In older men, particularly those who are frail but can tolerate these medications, combination therapy is a good strategy to prevent or delay surgery and improve symptoms enough to satisfy patients for the remainder of their lifetimes. The FORTA classification system was not applied to any combination therapy. Combination therapy alpha blocker, and anticholinergic. A plethora of individual papers, as well as RCTs, have analyzed the effects of alpha blocker and anticholinergic combined therapy for LUTs. Most of these studies included patients over age 80, although there were no subgroup analyses specifically evaluating the elderly population. Overall, there was significant improvement in urinary symptoms, with a low, statistically insignificant risk of urinary retention, with no predictors identified in those who developed retention. Testosterone replacement. Several groups have posited that testosterone can and should be used to treat hypogonadism in older men. While testosterone may improve the quality of life for men over 80, one risk is increased prostate size and worsening of urinary symptoms in already symptomatic patients. Borst et al. found that co-administration of five ARIs can mitigate this growth and prevent further prostate enlargement in those receiving testosterone therapy. Antiandrogens. While not typically considered when discussing treatment for BPH, there are times when a short course may be warranted. The benefit of an antiandrogen is rapid reduction in prostate size, at least as compared to 5-ARI, without the long-term effects on testosterone that can occur with luteinizing hormone-releasing hormone. As such, it is another bridging option in a man who is particularly frail, and the goal is to avoid any procedure while reducing prostate size as rapidly as possible. It can be used short-term while the 5-ARI is reaching its maximum effect, 
and or may be used to mitigate recurrent hematuria presumed secondary to BPH. The authors have occasionally found that for persistent bleeding postoperatively, particularly in those on anticoagulation, a one-month trial can help resolve hematuria during the recovery period. Surgical Management For men who either fail medical therapy, cannot tolerate it, or need to proceed onto surgical interventions, there are special considerations for elderly patients. Anesthetic risks, polypharmacy, anticoagulation, comorbidities, social factors, and components of recovery require individual attention. Elderly, frail patients carry higher risk for surgical complications. Prior to proceeding with surgery, a discussion with the patient and or family regarding an indwelling catheter is reasonable and warranted, despite the risks that come with catheters. Even when surgery can improve symptoms, if the risk is too great and the patient and family are able to care for a catheter, more conservative management with either a urethral or suprapubic tube, preferably, should be considered. There are times when this is just an easier option for everyone. With BPH surgery, certain side effects are commonly accepted, and these are often reported as reasons to proceed or not, with some therapies preferred over others. Sexual side effects, fertility concerns, and retreatment rates are important considerations in younger men. In men with a limited life expectancy, however, the desired procedure is the one that will relieve obstruction and symptoms long enough to span the patient's remaining years with the shortest recovery. This means certain approaches may be eliminated from discussions altogether or modifications may be made intraoperatively. With all BPH surgery, the potential for avoiding side effects, including postoperative urinary retention, urinary incontinence, and or urinary frequency should be disclosed. During bladder recovery, depending on the social environment of the patient, ability to care for himself, and cognitive awareness, interim rehabilitation may be necessary. These factors could impact choices offered to the patient. In the next section, we review procedures listed in the AUA guidelines, surgical management of BPH LUTs, with attention to issues specific to the elderly. Minimally Invasive Surgical Therapies Minimally invasive surgical therapies are an attractive option for frail men. Overall, any office-based procedure is generally low risk, and in most cases, the worst BPH-specific failure that could happen is insufficient relief of symptoms that necessitate a more invasive approach. However, Unless a patient can remain still for the treatment, these may not be practical, and anesthesia or sedation may be required, introducing more invasive surgical options. Nonetheless, there are several procedures studied in the elderly. Included in this list are prostatic urethral lift, water vapor thermotherapy, and transurethral microwave therapy. Prostatic Arterial Embolization While gaining in popularity, Prostatic arterial embolization is still not recommended as a conventional approach to BPH in the most recent AUA guidelines. However, it has been described as a reasonable and safe treatment for frail older men, and particularly beneficial in men with refractory and or recurrent gross hematuria presumed secondary to BPH. While long-term efficacy and durability have yet to be proven, it could be sufficient to relieve symptoms and improve quality of life. The procedure does carry some notable risks including contrast load and prolonged treatment times up to several hours, which may deem this unsuitable for patients unable to lie still or who have renal compromise. Surgical Therapies That Require Anesthesia Once it has been determined that anesthesia will be required, optimizing the patient for surgery is essential. Everyone involved must fully understand the risks and accept them. In addition, incontinence after prostate resection is much more prevalent in elderly men due to bladder dysfunction and or urethral sphincter insufficiency and requires consideration. Individual surgeon expertise and availability of equipment will likely determine the choice of procedure performed. 
When testing can be performed, it is highly recommended that cystoscopy with or without urodynamics be conducted to ensure surgery is indeed indicated and has a high likelihood of improving the patient's symptoms. Prostate cancer, diagnosed or not, is highly prevalent in this age group and can present challenges with healing, ability to identify surgical planes, and bleeding. Finally, consideration of techniques for those on anticoagulation should be entertained. If the patient is unable to stop their anticoagulation or is at high risk for bleeding, and the urologist does not have the recommended equipment or expertise to proceed in the safest manner possible, referral to another urologist or center is appropriate. Elderly patients are more likely to be in a state of poor functional status and reserve, or frail, and thus more vulnerable to adverse events. While frailty is not age-specific and can apply to patients younger than 80, elderly patients as a whole carry a higher risk for being frail. Preoperative frailty for both elective and emergent surgeries are associated with increased risk of postoperative complications, length of hospital stay, and 30-day and long-term mortality, particularly in those over age 80. A recent cross-sectional study by Zhang et al. found that frail geriatric patients were more likely to have severe urological symptoms. A higher prevalence of frailty was identified in men with increased international prostate symptom score the exact population that meets criteria for surgical therapy for BPH. While clinical application remains limited, several tools have been developed to assess frailty, including the frailty phenotype and frailty index. Unfortunately, although many agree that frailty should be considered during surgical planning, there is no consensus on preoperative frailty assessment tools, nor is there consensus on how to optimize frail patients to minimize the risk of postoperative complications. Geriatric assessment has been advised as a potential predictor of success of endoscopic BPH surgery, relying upon the vigor of patients over the age of 75, and represents a potential tool for patient selection and preoperative risk assessment. Anesthetic risks in frail elderly patients causes significant consternation for both surgeons and anesthesiologists. Hemodynamic risks with anesthesia most frequently come to mind, but in the elderly, Cognitive impact must also be considered, as adverse cognitive effects of anesthesia have been described. The older brain has less cognitive reserve and, therefore, less resilience to neurological challenges. Postoperative cognitive dysfunction deserves attention, and before surgery is considered, the cognitive risk should be discussed with the patient and or family. While inhaled anesthetics are the biggest culprits, regional anesthesia and sedation can both contribute to postoperative cognitive dysfunction. Anesthetic considerations for the surgeon in patients over age 60 include Anesthesia is part of the physiological cost of the risk-benefit ratio when making decisions about whether and when to proceed with surgery. Limit the duration of continuous anesthesia and, when feasible, use regional approaches with light or no sedation. Regional anesthesia with deep sedation may be as neurotoxic as general anesthesia. Other considerations in the OR include risk for pressure ulcers, limited mobility due to lack of flexibility, traumatic fracture with positioning, arthritis, joint replacement, and so on. Bottom line, surgical approaches, and particularly those that could require multiple anesthetics, can have significant adverse effects beyond just the surgical recovery at the site of the insult. These issues highlight reasons to consider non-operative intervention when possible. Despite all the reasons not to operate, once the patient's situation merits more invasive intervention and the need for anesthesia becomes inevitable, nearly all recommended treatments within the AUA guidelines enter the discussion. That said, some approaches are really not in the patient's best interest. These are largely the opinions of the authors, as modified approaches are not commonly studied and are more subject to the teaching and expertise of experienced urologists. Things to consider are, monopolar transurethral resection should be avoided 
as this can result in TUR syndrome. In current days, bipolar has replaced monopolar and should be the energy source used if proceeding with a TUR approach. Laparoscopic and robotic procedures are more invasive and extensive than is necessary and carry their own risks. For many elderly men, prior surgery may preclude this approach. Positioning and duration of surgery are important considerations, and in the realm of so many other surgical options for BPH, these approaches should be avoided. Open surgery is invasive and can lead to a high blood loss and should be avoided. Any procedure that leaves a patient under anesthesia and or in lithotomy for extended time should be modified. Surgical longevity is secondary, particularly for patients with life expectancy less than 10 years. Channel procedures and or removal of two lobes versus three may be sufficient and can reduce operative time, as well as limit incontinent side effects. Patients on anticoagulation or at risk for increased bleeding should preferentially undergo laser procedures. Holmium, potassium titanyl phosphate, green light, thulium and diode lasers of various wavelengths are options. Channel ablation techniques may be preferred over enucleation in that they are easy to do, have more rapid operative times, and do not require tissue removal. Modified approaches may be of benefit in elderly men. Types of modifications include channel bipolar TUR and or button or rollerball, modified enucleation techniques with removal of one to two lobes versus all three, combination approaches such as enucleation of a large middle lobe with another device applied to the lateral lobes, that is, prostatic urethral lift, TUR of prostate, transurethral vaporization of prostate, or one of the newer implants coming to market. If untreated prostate cancer is suspected, it is reasonable to give a short course of hormonal therapy during the post-operative period to help with bleeding and further open the channel. The authors prefer bicalutamide 50 mg daily for 30 to 60 days. Post-operative considerations. Elderly men can be particularly challenging in the post-operative period given their frailty, social environment, and cognitive function. Tolerance of a catheter may require special attention and or care. Patients who cannot be managed at home may require interim rehabilitation or a skilled nursing facility. Bladder function after years of obstruction can take time to return. In cognitively aware and dexterous men, short-term self-catheterization versus suprapubic tube clamping trials may be necessary if detrusor function is compromised and slow to improve. Urologists must also accept that perfect emptying could be unattainable, and adequate voiding that keeps the patient without a catheter and or negative sequela is sufficient. Outside of these challenging issues, basic post-operative considerations include managing fluid intake, constipation, and voiding symptoms. Thirst sensation and the drive to drink fluids decreases with age and is even more decreased in patients living in long-term care facilities. Poor urine output with concentrated urine can worsen symptoms and increase risk for infection and sequela from hematuria. Ensuring patients, families, and or caregivers understand the importance of fluid intake is paramount. Medications for incontinence or frequency combined with poor fluid intake could lead to constipation. Straining to move bowels postoperatively can cause bleeding, and sending patients home with stool softeners and or laxatives is advised. A particularly vexing issue is recurrent hematuria with clot obstruction. This can occur from catheters, resumption of anticoagulant medications, postoperative constipation and straining, surgical tissue slough, presence of prostate cancer that leads to poor healing of the fossa, etc. As discussed previously, medications such as 5-ARIs or antiandrogens should be considered. Finally, antibiotics in the postoperative period to reduce infection risk is an individual choice, and likely urologists feel strongly one way or the other. The authors prefer a short course targeting common urinary bacteria using trimethoprim alone. Trimethoprim sulfa, 
cephalexin, or macrodantin, as sepsis in frail patients can lead to devastating outcomes. Conclusions The treatment of BPH in older men requires a full assessment and thoughtful approach. While voiding issues in the elderly can lead to significant compromise of quality of life, treatments can not only compromise quality, but potentially its duration. Honest discussions regarding goals of care should be had. Assessing patient frailty and living environment can help guide treatment choices, working from the least invasive and hazardous to those that carry the most risk. Routine follow-up with escalation of therapy based on response is the safest approach. Despite the many concerns, the armamentarium of therapies that exist for BPH allow tailored treatment options and multiple choices for even our most vulnerable patients. Did you know? Despite the widely proven efficacy of medications available for the treatment of BPH, the safest in elderly patients are finasteride, dutasteride, and fesoteridine. All others should be used with caution, with individual case-by-case decision-making when determining optimal medical therapy. Cystoscopy, with or without urodynamics, should be performed when considering surgical intervention. Office therapies that can be performed under local anesthesia or sedation should be considered when determining a bladder outlet procedure. However, these could be limited by the patient's tolerance and ability to remain still, as well as prostate size less than 80 cc. Anesthetics risks, polypharmacy, anticoagulation, comorbidities, social factors, postoperative recovery, and potential complications should be considered when discussing surgical interventions for elderly patients. Modified surgical approaches, such as channel TUR or partial laser enucleation, are reasonable strategies to reduce operative duration and complications in higher-risk patients. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more episodes like this one, or to subscribe to the 2023 update series, Volume 42, visit the AUA University at auanet.org backslash update.